The following episode contains themes that may not be suitable for some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. Call or text 988 or chat on 988lifeline.org. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. On this lovely Sunday morning, how's it going? Yep, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Yeah, right? Yeah, because, I mean... I've been everywhere, man. Well, yeah, because in the past few weeks, you have been to Maryland for about a week and a half. And then, coming back from Maryland, we went to the Thousand Islands for a weekend for a show that your band played at the Coyote Moon Vineyard. Yep, and practically I had a journey. And it was actually a really fun journey. I mean, it was... Everything in it, in between, life-changing, sad, happy. It was basically like a coming-of-age comedy drama. For a man in his early 30s. Yeah. Okay. For a man... Wait, what does that even mean? Coming-of-age stories are usually for, like, young kids and young adults. Well, you know, it's funny. Even adults can still have coming-of-age stories. You know, even they've been through a lot, they can still have things that they didn't expect. All right. Well... How were your, how were your trips for the most part? They were amazing. I had fun down in Maryland. I catched up with everyone. I've seen the places I grew up at, and it was kind of mind. It was really mind blowing because some of the places are still around. I'm still amazed they're still there. And then some of the places I grew up with as a kid are a lot of them are gone, and mm-hmm. I felt this utter sadness where it just felt like my my well my being yeah growing up is like practically gone and they Mm -hmm. do say this that things do come and go but when it does go it's incredibly sad yeah and it really shows like a lot of your era and stuff yeah is dead and then did you like anything about the thousand islands trip because yes i did this was a little bit more like not business but in a way it was well it was kind of because uh, grease creepers was playing their second show at a hot rod um, car show that was kind of like a benefit too and yeah. we had two other bands that were from Syracuse and oh, I don't want to butcher I don't want to forget what the other one was from I think they're from Buffalo I think because one's from Buffalo and I think the other one's from Syracuse and they're both surf rock bands Yeah, and they both sounded amazing they didn't have yeah. any vocals but I like the instruments, instrumentation of surf rock and, you, and with that yeah. sound, you you don't even need a vocalist. Right. Like, surf rock, I feel like, is more instrumental. It than speaks itself through lyrical. the music. Yeah. Yes, and I, I like that a lot. So, when I saw those bands... Yeah, they were, they were great. Um, under, underwater Bosses and the Salinas, and they were fucking excellent. I loved it. And when we played, um, Tommy and them felt like they weren't gonna we weren't gonna have people watching us because we're a little more uh oh what is it i wouldn't say sinister but we're a little more louder and heavier than the other bands and faster and literally we they felt like that we weren't gonna have anyone there like the kids were gonna be gone um a lot of the grown-ups were gonna leave but when we started playing everyone actually started sitting down and like coming into the tent more and watching us play and i'm like there's a lot of old people here, and like well, they older, really like they liked it. But then again, it here's the thing: not for nothing. I'm not like bashing older people here, but like <sighs> when you go to car shows, especially like the hot rod shows, mm-hmm. 
it's primarily older people who have like money yeah. who can fix up my, and my, buy older cars. Like my that. mom's boyfriend goes to car shows a yeah. lot. Like he goes everywhere. From he visits back up here to go to car shows. He goes to Florida where he lives at to go to car shows. He yeah. wherever there's a car show and it looks pretty good, and especially the cars because I love them too. He'll go to it. Yeah, we in Rochester we have a few car shows. And they uh, they're career. pretty and they're pretty cool. I like them. Yeah, but again, it's it's like you go there and it's primarily older men or older women who, yeah. like I said, they have the money to be able to not only buy older cars but to be able to fix those up and you know showcase them. Honestly, if I was one of those old guys, I would totally get like the cars I saw at the at the Hot Rod show. I would get in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, because I'm a guy who also likes old school hot rod cars and, like, you know, like, 50s cars. And even ones that are, like, older than that. Right. And I want one so bad. Like... I know. They did look nice. Before I die, I want to get it. Yeah. And I definitely want to recommend you guys. I just posted this this <laughs> morning. I posted a couple of videos, like, recent videos of Colin's band performing. They are a pretty good show. And I think they do kind of fit well with our theme here in the podcast. It's like... You guys are psychedelic punk. We're, we we refer to the name also as punkabilly because we we mix punk rock, we mix horror theme stuff, we mix rockabilly, we basically mix a lot of different things. Cultivate in one. We've we've had surf like stuff, we've had country stuff, we have um, Spanish like type little influences here and there. Um, we have rockabilly. We have basically everything under the sun, except for except for like Skrillex. I know, but I can tell that like Tiger Army has a bit of an influence on you guys because, mm-hmm. you, like, I've been listening to Grease Creepers for a while, and it's definitely since the beginning of you guys like coming together and like m- making music and stuff. But when you introduced me to Tiger Army not too long ago, I was like, okay, now I can see where you guys get your inspiration from. Oh yeah, because it sounds similar to tiger army which is a good band too and i'm just gonna do like a little plug-in for you guys um where can you find your guys's music um you can for for those who like actually take the chance to listen to you guys Um, and some of your songs well i don't know if people know too much about Bandcamp. that's where basically a lot of local artists really put their music on there and stuff especially albums and songs singles stuff like that but we have two albums on Bandcamp. That we do. I know people, when I talk to them about my band, they like to find us on YouTube. And I don't know why, because we only have a few videos. Right. But, like, I'm like, go to Bandcamp, find our stuff there. You can still buy the albums there if you want to kind of, like, help the band out. But, like, but you can listen to them for free if you want. And we have two albums there. We came back this year around, oh, what did I say, around March or so, something like that. And... Ever since we came back, we've wrote we we've always been good at writing songs like on the spot together, and so far we've wrote five songs together. Yeah, as a band since we came back in March, and we are we're going to be writing more songs because we'll be setting up for a third album. Yeah. And uh, but other than that, we had a great show last night. I feel like we definitely like I'm I'm not trying to be cocky about my band, but. Yeah. But literally, we really uh, wail last night, and we fuck shit up. Yeah, so last night, and I'm saying this is like, we're, we're recording this on July 31st, so the night before, which was July 30th, you guys played at the <sighs> Rosen Crown in Rochester, New York, with Wyatt Coyne and the Clockers. Mm-hmm. And you guys went on first, and like I said, you guys did really well. 
I think. Like you, you always <laughs> you no, think you always you guys always do really well at every show that I've seen you in, and you always bring out like you always draw a big crowd, which is really good. And I think you guys last night did a really good job, despite the fact that Tommy kept breaking his guitar strings. That's all right. I mean, that, I mean, and you were going just a little too fast paced for them. Yeah, but but, but that was the thing guys, is that we were we were still pretty good, and you know what? they still kept up with my timing. Yeah, and you guys played some new songs last night, didn't you? Five new songs, right? Yeah, all the five new songs that we've been working on the last couple of months, and uh, I like that the musical freedom, especially in this band, that I get to write what I want, really, especially if it's like fictional or not. And I like the way you guys write music because, like you said, yeah. you guys. You guys write music in a way where you, like, you and Tommy will write the lyrics, and then between the two of you and Ryan, who's your bass player, Mm -hmm. um, you guys kind of polish it up a little bit, so that way it sounds a little bit more... We polish it up, and we make it look pretty, you know? Yeah, but it works. Like, the three of you guys making those kinds of songs together, it works. Um, And I believe, I believe I've posted one of the videos last night on our Instagram... So you guys can check it out on Instagram. And then on top of Instagram, and this is a new thing I just did this past week as like a little side project, I put together a TikTok account for our podcast. Mm -hmm. So if you go on TikTok and you look up Abby Normal Podcast, as it's usually spelled, you'll you'll find our TikTok account, and we already have a few videos posted. Some of it I've reposted from my own personal account, which you can also follow, plus Collins. You can also follow his, too. But for the most part, what we've been doing is we've been going through, like, the TikTok filters. You know, like the, what do you call it? The roulette filters where it's like, what kind of Stranger Things character I'm not a TikTok guy, but my wife is. It's fun. And I think it's something fun that you and I can do together that we can do. It'll be more like an interactive thing with our audience and everything. It is fun, but it's just like, I'm not a TikTok person, so. I know, but I think it'll be fun. And if you guys want to see more TikTok tiktoks um from the podcast perspective go find us on tiktok under the abby normal podcast username and you'll recognize the logo when you see it and it's you know it's been fun i will say we'll definitely do more of it because i think some people like it so far there's actually one person i actually like on tiktok right now Mm -hmm. and I, i mean I don't think he'll ever hear this because, you know, we're way down the ground of, like... Is it Goth Dad? No, actually, I love Goth Dad. <laughs> Goth Dad is so cool. He's from um, Vision Video, but that's not who I'm talking about. Okay. So, but I love Goth Dad. He is so funny, and he is a perfect man. And if we ever talk to Goth Dad in real life, I would be so happy. If we actually could do, like, an inter- interaction video with him, that would be yes. amazing. But also, uh, another person, too... He he's like he's a young kid and he's like really incredibly funny. His name's Charles Brockman the third, mm. and he does a lot of TikTok videos where he he's incredibly talented. He sings, he dances, he um, does videos where he actually parodies the video, you know, the movies and TV shows that yeah. he watches. And when he does that, he parodies them, but he also puts his own twist to it. So when he's parodying them and stuff, you hear a voice in the background like. What is it that you're doing? We're like, like, literally, like, showing the person. Sorry. I'm yeah. just put. Because you talking about Charles Brockman III reminds me of another TikToker that I follow who kind of does the same thing. Yeah. But you go ahead and keep talking while but, I pull But him up. Charles Brockman's a lot funnier. So yeah. he's better. But and I follow somebody on TikTok, 
and let me find his name. And he, he keeps talking. saying in the videos, like if someone if someone messes up or he does a thing where he trips and falls or something, he says in the background, he's like, "That boy needs some milk." Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, and they actually just did, he just did a parody to White Chicks. Oh where, my god! Which it was hilarious. It was the scene where he. It was two scenes. It was the one where he's like, "You want to talk about our mother?" Like, oh yeah. Okay, and literally, uh, it's that one. And when uh, um, Marlon goes to the bathroom to take oh a really bad God. dump because he had diarrhea from dairy. That one was hilarious. It was so funny. But I got to show you the video of what Charles Brockman okay. did for White Chicks. It was so funny. And the, like I mentioned, I follow another TikToker who does the same thing. And I'm probably going to butcher his last name. And I'm so sorry if I do. Julian Berzinski. He, he is a really talented actor not as talented as my charles i've shown you some of his <laughs> videos and recently he's been putting out a lot of like devil wears prada parody videos oh, no. and they're so good he is so talented and he like his his everything from like the makeup to the wigs to the costumes is just spot on wait a minute is it's, he the one that did the boss burger stuff too yes he does he did yeah i actually i actually i actually do like him yeah he yeah, is he's, really talented he's cool and i like his stuff a lot yeah, i respect him and we actually have like on tiktok we have a couple people who are from rochester who are like pretty big names on tiktok like yeah. v from under the desk news and jonathan who's uh the dog dad to noodle the pug he lives uh, in New York City, but I think he is from Rochester, and he is really funny. Noodle is so freaking cute, and okay. I love I love going on TikTok uh, every day and seeing if we're having like a Bones or No Bones Day. Before we go any further to yes. our topic that we oh, should yeah. be talking about, um, I would like to say that today, I'm super excited about this because I've been waiting for this for quite a while. Yeah, so... But, um, but let, me me, let me say it, because it's a thing that I want to talk about. Okay. So July 31st is actually the 35th anniversary today of Lost Boys coming out of the theater. It was it was a debut in the theater July 31st, 1987, and it's still to me this day one of my all-time favorite like horror comedies or like I mean it's like it has comedy, but it's like one of my favorite horror films, vampire films. I mean, what would you call the call it? Vampire film or what? Boo. That's, a, that's what she would call it, a boo. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I, I'm glad that you like it. I'm not particularly Like it. it. I love it. Okay, you love it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. People love this movie. That's fine. I'm not a fan of it. As I've stated before on the podcast, I'm not a vampire fan that much. There are a couple of movies that are, for me, the exception, but... Lost Boys just doesn't do it for me the way that some other movies do. But getting into the topic at hand of our episode, so I kind of discovered this story while Colin was on his trip in Maryland. And if you guys know anything about like the BuzzFeed Unsolved channel on YouTube and on Hulu and Shannon Ryan from BuzzFeed Unsolved, you know, they, they kind of like that whole channel itself has built quite a, a cult following. And they have other, like, content creators or other, like, hosts on that channel, not just Shane and Ryan, but this one guy I've been watching, like, I kind of went on a bit of a bender by mm -hmm. when I was, while you were away in Maryland. And she I was, was going, on a bender. I was going through YouTube, and I came across all these <laughs> different BuzzFeed videos, like, some of them about history, some of them about true crime, like, dark history topics, and I thought these things were, like, really fascinating. 
So there's this one guy on the channel, Arya Investigates. And Arya Investigates, what he does is he pulls these, like, either true crime cases that involve the internet, or he finds these, like, cursed media pieces, like art, film, scripts, etc. And he'll take it in to see how truly cursed these things are. Because the story that I'm about to tell you today is not exactly a film. It's a movie script. Yeah. And I found... For a film. For a film mm -hmm. that has not been made yet. But I found the story through BuzzFeed, and I felt it was so interesting to share, especially with Colin, who's a huge fan of comedy movies. I felt like it was important for me to... Address it. Address it. Because it's interesting when you read the story... And you, you hear all the names that are associated with this project and the fact that, like, this one script was passed through the hands of about five comedic actors and, like, one screenwriter and they all died mysteriously shortly after reading the script. I just think it's so coincidental, but we'll talk a little bit more about it as I go along. And because, like I said, Colin is a huge fan of comedy movies... He's going to list off some of the other things that some of these comedic actors have been involved with. And actually, there's quite a few on this list that Colin is a fan of. Actually, I, most of them <laughs> that are on this most list. Most of them are you're, you are fans of. So I'm very interested to get through this. And I've also retold this story to my father and my sister, who we had on the podcast before. And they both thought that it was a strange fucking story. It is a strange fucking and, story, but yeah. And I just want to, like... I, I, I've been waiting so long to share this story with Colin because he didn't know about this. I was the only one who knew about it. But then this little fucker found the video on BuzzFeed and watched it, and now he's kind of caught up to speed. So I'm going to be retelling this story to him, and you guys will probably have or have not heard of this story before. I'm very excited to tell Just it to go you. into it. Don't rush me. <laughs> Don't rush me. I'm excited. Let me be excited, all right? I yes. waited three weeks to tell this story. Be excited, but go into this. Okay. So this cursed movie script was for a comedy called A Tuck. And it's based off of a novel that was written in 1993 by Canadian novelist Mordecai Rickler. And he wrote a satirical piece about an Inuit poet who travels from the Baffin Islands to Toronto and becomes a, su a success overnight. And through his misadventures, he learns to adapt to the metropolitan lifestyle. The title of the book was called The Incomparable A-Tuck, but when it was rewritten in the form it of from, a script, yeah. it was just simply titled A-Tuck. A yeah. So in 1971, director Norman Jewison bought the film rights of The Incomparable A-Tuck story and recruited screenplay writer Todd Carroll to write the script. Carol finished the final draft of the script in 1979 and had recommended SNL alum John Belushi for the lead role of Atuck. And for most of you who do know, but for some of you that don't know John Belushi, he is actually a famous uh, comedian. Uh, he's been in tons of movies that were big hits in the box office, including The Blues Brothers, Animal House, uh, 1941... Just a few that I name off right there, but he is a storm of his own, especially in comedy. Yeah, he was one of the biggest well-known cast actors in um, SNL. And also, I will let you know this, he was a huge punk rock fan, so he actually brought Fear, the punk rock band, onto SNL for their Halloween show, 
And uh, the guy who played Dr. Loomis, Donald Pleasance, was the host. And he introduced Fear. And he was the one that brought punk rock band, the punk rock band onto TV. Nice. So, yes. So Belushi accepted the role and liked the script. However, on March 5th, 1982, Belushi was found dead in his hotel room at the Chateau Marmont. He died at the age of 33 of a heroin overdose, which was odd to friends of the actor. People who knew Belushi commented that heroin was never his drug of choice. However, two months after Belushi's death, a woman named Catherine Evelyn Smith came forward and admitted that she had given and administered the fatal dosage to the actor the night he died. Smith was then charged with first-degree murder. How? What do you think about that? Any thoughts? Uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, for comedians and stuff, like especially when they have a lot of... They're incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of emotion inside. Yes. That they have a hard time coming out and bringing out and everything. That's why they use other things to cope with it. Yes. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, even, even something that seems safe, but... But in this case, for comedians, they have the money to do it. They yeah. can uh, splurge it onto alcohol and drugs and all that. And John Belushi wasn't the only one that followed that same fate, especially when he was an SNL alumni. Yeah. But we will talk about that in a second. But, but John- speaking of money, yes. after his performance in 1986's Back to School, Sam Kennison became a rising stand-up comedian, yep. and his style of loud ranting and raving jokes were well-received by audiences. The United Artists production team offered the titular role to Kennison, and he accepted. Production for the film began in 1988, but and this is going to kind of like be confusing because some sources say it was eight days, some sources say it was after that first day of production. Kennison became dissatisfied with the direction in which the movie was going and was given, or at least trying to receive, some sort of creative freedom. And he would attempt to rewrite the script a number of times before walking away from the project. Due to the halt of the production, coupled with Kennison's abusive behavior towards staff members, United Artists sued him for $5.6 million in production loss and punitive damages or charges. Which is like, punitive charges are when you say or do something that does cause damage to either the production or the staff or in some way. Mm Mm-hmm. Kinnison was held accountable, and the debt he owed to United Artists uh, left him broke. Mm-hmm. Negotiations began to continue underway in 1992. However, on April 10, 1992, Kinnison and his wife were in a car accident that resulted in his death at age 38. Any thoughts? Uh, I know I didn't really give you a whole lot of time to talk about Kinnison's well, career. Well, let me say something real fast sure. about him. That... For I know, I know. For me, he didn't really do too many films, but that man—he was a powerhouse on stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like literally, with his signature look, like his long hair, his little cap beret-looking thing, and he always wore big coats, mm-hmm. and he can scream his ass off. Like literally, he was the one. He felt it felt like you're talking to a drill sergeant. Yeah. And but he was also a Pentecostal uh, preacher. So I could see where Form, he gets former Pentecostal yeah, preacher. He was former, yeah. but I could see where he gets the screaming from too. Oh yeah, yeah. So literally, but when you hear him scream, like literally, the whole room would shake up. That's yeah. what it felt like. But right. yeah, but he was one hell of a stand-up comedian. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah, nineteen ninety-three. I was born in the year nineteen ninety-three. That's cool. But in that same year, John 
Candy requested a copy of the script Mm -hmm. and agreed to take the lead role. Candy was an experienced comedian with an expansive resume under his belt and was considered to be the next selection by the production team after Kinnison's death. Tell us about John Candy, Colin. John Candy, for a lot of you that know him, especially Mm -hmm. if you lived around in my age, because I'm 33, and a lot of you grown up with not only his movies but his sense of humor and his signature big guy look with like short curly hair big old smile and just his positive attitude he's known for movies as uncle buck planes trains and automobiles great outdoors cool runnings summer rentals uh space balls you name it he's done it and he's actually the equivalent of snl's canadian show sctv the second city television show it is also known by many who knew him that he struggled with heart diseases, and while he was stationed in New Mexico for the final film for his final film *Wagons East*, he succumbed to a heart attack on March fourth, nineteen ninety four, which was one day short of the twelfth year anniversary of John Belushi's death. Yeah, sorry, I had to double check that because I wrote that down. Wait, when did he die? He so Candy died March fourth, and Belushi died March fifth. Oh wow. Eight months after Candy's passing, screenwriter Michael O'Donohue died from a brain hemorrhage at age 54. Now, I've talked to my dad about this. Apparently, Michael O'Donohue was also a writer for SNL. Mm -hmm. And he wrote some pretty big, like, uh, skits. Like, some pretty well-known skits from the SNL archives. It is believed that O'Donohue either provided Candy with the script or had read it alongside him at some point. In 1996, United Artists set out to produce the screenplay and approached SNL powerhouse Chris Farley for the same role as his idol John Belushi. Tell us about Chris Farley, honey. Chris Farley is one of the funniest people ever. I fucking love Chris Farley because he was just a guy who was not only funny with his words, but his actions as well. He did a lot of slapstick comedy to mix with his uh, verbal comedy. And he was known for big hit movies as Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, um, Beverly Hills Ninja. He was in Wayne's World 1 and 2 and Coneheads. I love Tommy Boy. And I don't know why as a kid I was like the weirdest little girl I've ever heard of. But my family would always remind me how when I was a girl and I would watch Tommy Boy, I would put on my dad's jacket. And, of course, as, like, a six-year-old girl, you put on your dad's jacket, and it's, like, way too big for you. And I would just go around singing, Fat guy in a little coat. Which but made absolutely It was funny to my family, but it made no sense to me in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Farley's sense of comedic style was inspired by Belushi and was very excited about playing the role. Farley, at one point, shared the script with fellow SNL alum, which we'll get to later, but unfortunately, he would not get the chance to make it to the production. On December 18, 1997, Farley was found dead in his Chicago apartment having overdosed on cocaine. Like John Belushi, Farley died at 33. And although Far- Chris Farley was the oh, shit. Yeah, although Chris Farley was the last actor to be casted for the leading role of Atuck, he was not the last to die with some connection to the script. Remember I mentioned about the SNL alum he shared the script with? Mhm. Philip Hartman. Uh. 
Fellow SNL cast member of Farley's was a famous actor, comedian, screenwriter, and graphic designer with a lot of notable films he starred in. Which he did a lot. uh, Morbid, a true crime podcast, they covered the life and death of Philip Hartman to a T. Like, very well detailed, very well told I would recommend, if you want to know more about Phil Hartman, go check out that episode because it is amazing. He's incredibly funny, but his life is tragic. Yeah. And literally... You go ahead and tell me what he's been in. Well, this guy, he's a fellow Canadian, too, as the few of Mm -hmm. these guys who are on here as well. Yes. um, He's done everything. He wrote for uh, Pee Wee Herman. Mm -hmm. He's uh, wrote wrote and voiced for uh, The Simpsons. He was in tons of big movies as Jingle All the Way, Small Soldiers... He was on SNL. Yeah, he was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Brave Little Toaster, just everything you could think of. Coneheads. Like, whatever comedies you knew, cartoon or live uh, live action, he was in. Especially during the 90s. Yeah, a lot of 80s, but mostly 90s, too. Unfortunately, Hartman was dealing with marital problems with his wife, Bryn. The couple got into heated arguments at times and would often separate only to get back together and attempt to reconcile. Very toxic. It, it was believed that Bryn was jealous of her husband's celebrity status, and when she failed to succeed as an actress or model, she coped with drugs and alcohol substance abuse. On March 27, 1998, Hartman came home and got into another heated argument with Bryn. After the argument, Hartman went into their bedroom and fell asleep. Around 3 o'clock in the morning, Bryn came into the room and shot him with a revolver. Afterwards, Bryn drove to her friend's house and confessed to him of what she had done. Her friend followed her back home and called the police after discovering Hartman's body. Trigger warning. When police arrived, they escorted Hartman's children out of the house as Bryn locked herself in the bedroom, and moments later, Bryn had committed suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Hartman was 49 when he died. God, that's His is the most tragic. I mean, don't get me wrong. All of them died tragically, but Phil Harmon was the only one that was considered unnatural. But um, United Artists representatives and Todd Carroll have denied the possibility of the script being cursed. The film it still sits unmade to this day. Any thoughts, Colin? Um, not much other than what we were just talking about, and you just basically explained everything. And just very toxic relationship that he was in. There is one potential theory that may connect this script to potentially being cursed. Now, remember I mentioned the book and movie are based off of an Inuit poet or native of the Baffin Islands, which is, I guess, a uh, Greenlandic Inuit culture. Mm -hmm. They have their own versions of folklore and demonic creatures or even just like folklore creatures that can represent bad omens and such there is one whose name i'm not going to really say because a i might mispronounce it badly b is often said that by just saying the name of this creature can bring forth bad luck onto you i don't want that in my life so i'm going to avoid it but it's said that this specific creature is an avenging monster conquered through practitioners or shamanism which is interesting I don't, I don't, I couldn't really find more about it, but I think that is a very interesting uh, connection. Hmm. But what do you think? Well, about this whole thing? About the whole thing. I think it's 
fucking nuts, and I think someone should burn that movie script because basically that thing brings bad luck to all like the comedians that came. Yeah, I mean the co- the the coincidences mm. are just uncanny. You yeah. know, to to like the weirdest order. Yeah. And when you when you read about Sam Kinison's death, especially like he was in a car accident, but he didn't die right away. And some people have actually said that were present at the car accident. That he had succumbed to his wounds, but prior to him passing away, he was laying on the road in the act after the accident, and he was. It seemed like people said that he was talking to something or someone, saying, "I don't want to die. I don't want to die," and then he would say, "But why?" And then finally he said, "Like okay," and then took his last breath and then died on the scene. Whoa. And some people believe that he might have been speaking with somebody or some death-like figure. What if it's the devil? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I but mean, it, I think that's really interesting. Death is a mysterious and confusing thing about life, you know? And it, for a lot of people, it can be very, very scary. I think this this whole cursed script thing, is a, it is a huge coincidence, you know, to have all these comedic actors all die after reading the script in one way or another. But I have to also connect the dots in some of these things because a lot of these actors had a lot of things in common. They were overweight. They had poor health habits. Phil Hartman wasn't overweight. No. Phil Hartman was in decent <clears throat> shape. He was incredibly he, in He was not a heavy smoker or drinker <laughs> and he never touched drugs. That was the one thing he never did in his career was succumb to drug abuse. Well, because like, he's seen other people that, exactly. you know, other his friends die from it. Exactly. So, like... That was, again, the one thing he never did in his life was touch harsh drugs. Which is what makes his death the more sadder. Because he had this thriving career. And he had, you know, these two kids that he loved and cared for. And he had all these friends who loved him and supported him. But it was just this one part of his life, which was his marriage to Bryn, that would essentially be his downfall. And it's like the saddest thing that I think can you know possibly be retold but i think when we look at the comedy industry as a whole it can be a very dark place ironically you know what i mean yeah because like you were saying earlier you have these you have these comedians these stand-up comics these comedic actors and their jobs are to travel a lot and to make people laugh and make them feel happy or good about themselves but the problem with that kind of mentality is that you're constantly putting on a front and you rarely can never like be your true self. Mm-hmm. And when I think of things like that, I think of people like Robin Williams. And you know, you ever heard of the comedic actor um Greg Giraldo? Yeah. He was a well he was more of a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. But he suffered from alcoholism and some substance abuse, but he had died like I want to say like five or six years ago. Did he die? Yeah, he died. Shit. And a lot of people believed, and a lot of people who were very close to him knew that he was going through like depression. And like most of them, they don't cope in a healthy way. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll drink alcohol a lot, or they'll do drugs a lot. And that does result in a lot of premature deaths for a lot of comedic actors and celebrities. And I think that's something that, in the entertainment world, that's something that needs to be addressed more 
Like, if, if you know somebody who's going through something mentally that they can't overcome on their own, it's best to try to encourage those people to get help by mm. going to therapy or by getting, you know, some sort of help. Because, obviously, we've seen people who go through these things. Because I think, like I mentioned, one of the problems about being in comedy is the fact that you're... It's like you're the poster child of comedy. And your whole world or your whole life is built up to be this <coughs> happy-go-lucky person. Yeah. Like, again, going back to Robin Williams, he built his entire acting career on being a funny guy. And all of his movies, like... Jumanji, Popeye, Aladdin... Hook. Uh, what are the funny, funny movies he did? The Birdcage. Yes. Um, oh. But these were all. He like, did RV, which I didn't like that one. But yeah. But he did a lot of comedic movies, and that's what he was best known for. And when you're somebody <coughs> who gets to do one specific type of movie, yeah, that's all you do. And whenever you try to branch out into other genres, mm-hmm. it usually is never well received because your audience has already perceived you to be. The funny guy. But with, so when you yeah. when you try to branch out into other movies like Patch Adams or even what's that movie? One Hour Photo. One Hour Photo. But his serious movies were actually just as good as his comedies. Like he did Dead Poet Society, What Dreams May Come. Like they, those are like masterpieces. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard sometimes. Like those are still considered dramas. But anything more than a drama or comedy may not always be well received by audiences because audiences have now recognized you to be this funny man the funny guy right so to try to do anything more than that only to take that big back step back into what you've been used to it can be very depressing and then on top of that it's like if you're trying to let yourself feel anything (sighs) other than being happy like sad or depressed or even angry and people see it and they're like well that's not you like that's not who we all know you to be yeah but and that that can even take a harsher toll on your mentality than but they should accept him for what he is anyways he's not just a funny man he's a human exactly and that's the thing we always need to remember when we look at celebrities they are humans just like all of us they're not they just have... animals in cages that you see at the right. zoo and just like look at them and right. be entertained no they're human Right, and that's the thing. It's like we all have issues that we all go through. We all have our own struggles and our own battles that we need to overcome. And I think that that's something that we tend to lose sight in when we look at celebrities because we look at them as idols. We almost look at them as gods sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we think that they're, because they're untouchable, they're almost perfect. Like there's nothing that can go wrong in a man like Robin Williams or John Belushi or even Chris Farley, even guys like Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. But we clearly see time and time again that they get into these predicaments where they just end up dying like the worst way possible. And it's just, it's very heartbreaking to see all this happen. But I think that's something that we need to try to normalize from that here on out. And then that's to encourage people to really feel their feelings allow them to feel the feelings that they are feeling and not suppress those feelings and you and i had even talked about that do you have anything you want to say no i mean other than you know it's this has definitely been educational yeah and i can see both sides to this you know you know one side being that it's all just a huge coincidence that all of these actors died from reading the script and I can also see how this could potentially be something of a curse because it's it's just it's hard to wrap your head around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
It also kind of co-inlines with the SNL curse, also. Well, yeah. Well, a lot of them are from SNL, except exactly. for John, because he was on SCTV. Well, John and Kennison. John Candy and Sam Kennison weren't on SNL. I mean, they might have had appearances on they SNL had appearances, as hosts, but they but weren't, not, weren't regulars. Right. Like, they're not SNL alums like Belushi and Farley and Hartman. You know what I mean? Even mm. Michael O'Donohue was, was a writer for SNL. Yeah, and he was also a writer for... Uh, he was a writer for National Lampoon's magazine. Yeah. 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 Before they turned him into movies, he would always be the one who did a lot of the um, uh, stories and the artwork and stuff. Right. So, yeah. But I think it's all, like... It's a very, very interesting story that I wanted to share with you. Because, like I said, as somebody like you who's a fan of comedy, how how else do you feel about this? Like I said, as a fan of comedy, you've heard all these names being associated with the script. Well, I feel that, especially growing, especially when we don't know a person, especially like what how they're, what they're known for and what they do, especially in comedy, is that we shouldn't take them for granted either. Right. Because um, I know they're just as, it, just because they're funny doesn't mean they don't have emotions or feelings. Right. And it's kind of like that old saying when you have the clown who's like the funniest man ever but he's the saddest clown too because deep inside he has a lot of feelings that he needs to sort out but just like me myself like i have my i have my feelings and emotions and issues and stuff but and things and i've usually keep it under kind of but i cope it in different ways and i know Sometimes coping is good, but sometimes it's not because it's really you're hiding away a lot of your uh, repent-up uh, repent aggression and a lot of your emotional stuff. And that's why, with me, I cope with things like humor. That's why I I am funny in my ways and I have my humor and stuff because it helps me to kind of like all those serious things kind of hide inside here. Yeah. I mean, coping is just its another word of trying to process and deal with your emotions. Yeah. And like I have mentioned before, one of the better ways that you can be able to process those emotions is go to a therapist and help help have them help you process those emotions that you're feeling. Because I've, I've known you for eight years, like over eight years now. Yeah. And you and I are, we've been together for those eight years. We've been married for almost a year now. And in the, in the entire time that I've known you, for the majority of the, of the time... You are a happy-go-lucky person. But you do have your moments where you can get angry or sad about things. And that's all normal. I never try to make you feel like your feelings don't matter. And then, and I always say this, too, whenever we talk and have these kind of discussions. But everybody's feelings are valid. So when you are somebody like Colin who's happy for the majority of your time... And you get these bouts of, like, depression or anger or anything that is not happiness. It's okay to feel those feelings. But what is not okay is trying to suppress those feelings in a harsher way that can hurt yourself. Like substance abuse, alcoholism, even self-harm, which is another coping mechanism that people do. Those are things that need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. Especially, like I said, in in the comedy industry... Those things need to be looked at. If you've got somebody like Robin Williams, who's the king of comedy, and he is going through things mentally that he feels like he cannot process because the industry that he has built his career on doesn't allow him to feel those feelings, it can be very, very depressing. 
And that's, you know, something that a lot of people need to recognize and be able to identify in order to figure out the next steps to, you know, get better. I think that's the thing that, like, we need to look out for is to identify those warning signs. Is there anything else you want to touch up on or? Um, no, I think we got everything for the most part. All right. Yeah. So I think we're pretty good with uh, today's episode. Um, I enjoyed what I heard. It's interesting. You know, it's pretty mind-blowing, especially a lot of the stuff I hear. But, um, you know. So I feel like that kind of wraps up yeah. our story for this week's episode. Is there anything you want to talk about in the coming week or so before we wrap up the episode? I mean, other than we got um, two more shows for Grease Creepers coming up. Yeah. Which uh, we're playing at Photo City on August 5th. And then we're playing um, August 12th at Lux. Yeah. Which are both in Rochester, New York. So if you're a listener from Rochester who wants to come check out Colin's band playing, those are the two places you can go to on August 5th and 10th. Yeah. And also, if you do want to listen to Grease Creepers, go on to Bandcamp. It's one word. It's spelled the way it sounds. It's uh, Bandcamp, Grease Creepers, Rochester, New York. Look up both our albums, Fresh Cut and uh, Stay Creepy. Also, it's Greece, as in Greece Lightning, not Greece, as in the country or even the town of Greece, which we live in. Yeah, and then Creepers, just the way it's spelled. Yeah, we're and not we're not one of those edgy bands that use Creepers with the K. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So, this has been an episode 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 of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin, and I'm Aaliyah. Signing off, saying, stay creepy. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok. 